Warning, this show contains mature content and spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Ah, greetings. Care for a story? One of heroes and villains? Of swords and sorcery? Of romance and treachery? We'll pull up a chair and have a listen. Hi, and welcome to this episode of The RPG Show. My name's Brent, I'm your host, and today, you guys are going to be hearing something a little different. So, if um, off-topic banter kind of rubs you the wrong way, or even when we get a little personal, uh, you might as well come back next time. This show is going to be an experiment for me. There's always been a type of show that I would like to do, and... um, not it's not a type of show that I could do regularly because of the scheduling and effort put into it. I have two segment half interview discussions with some guests planned in here. Um, there are some interstitials that kind of got way deeper than I ever anticipated looking onto it um, with some music thrown in there. So it'll be something a little different. Um, and I, hopefully you guys like it. If you don't, let me know if you like it. Let me know what you like, what you don't like. Just send an email on over and talk about it on the Discord. So without much further ado, let's get into it. You know, uh, one of the scariest things that I think has been occurring uh, lately in my life is, uh, you know, as you get older, you know, your body starts to change and we start to be on the other end of that uh parabolic curve that is life where everything's on it up and then all of a sudden it's on it down and I don't necessarily think I'm uh, old yet like this isn't the the 20 something year old guy sitting here telling you that oh I'm so old that's not what's happening okay but what is happening and uh, I think it's due to some of the monotony that has taken place in my life where everything used to change rapidly or, uh, you know, I had time to think and ponder and do all these various uh, inner thought experiments, if you will, um, plus other things to keep me sharp. I have, I have noticed that lately I've begun to struggle with things that would have been once upon a time came to me simply or quickly, um, you know, because... I used to be able to, you know, you, you give me uh, math, like I have to figure out um, something on the fly. I could I could do almost anything, and I still do for work most of the time. Like I'm, I, I'll calculate percentages and you know tell people retail, um, you know, just off the you know hat, and then they always want to pull out a calculator and tell me I'm wrong. But it's taken me longer here lately, where I've had to actually stop and sort of break things down and where it's really coming into play is 
uh, learning new skills. All right, I always used to love how to learn how to do new things, right? And uh, recently, I've realized how hard it can be for me to grasp a concept. And to me personally, that's troubling, right? It's it's terrifying to think that I will one day. Uh, no longer be able to gain new knowledge easily, right? Uh, conversely, I think that lines with one of my greatest fears, and that's the one day that I will be um, like something like Alzheimer's or um, stuff like that. It terrifies me, right? This this thought that what you know, that your brain that tells you who you are, no longer functions in that sort of uh, light. Now I accept that I am not the smartest person on the planet. Ha ha ha! You know, everybody making fun of you know. Anytime I admit my own faults, people point and laugh because apparently I'm some egomaniacal crazy person. But I accept the fact that I'm not the smartest person on the planet. I know there's plenty of people out there smarter than me that have larger bases of knowledge than I do. And you can ask any of those people. Um, I'm not afraid to ask questions about their base of knowledge because I, I want to know more. I always want to know more. And it, it's just a, a scary thought. It's one of those, those uh, you know, some people call them shower thoughts. I call them driving thoughts because uh, I spend a lot of time behind the wheel. That's where I get a lot of my podcast listening done and audiobooks. So sometimes I just turn the stereo off and ride in silence for a while and thought. And, uh, you know, whether that be my body's changing, you know, my mind is starting to get soft and squishy and whatever, and, uh, or it could be the stress of living, you know, I, it once upon a time, you know, there were no stresses of living, I didn't have to worry about how bills were getting paid, or, you know, what sort of th- <laughs> dangerous thing that might happen to my daughter that day, uh, or, you know, uh, the numerable other things that comes with Adulthood, and that's not what I'm here to complain about. It's just the, 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 uh, the stress that I feel when I I can't think properly, and that's always been, you know, if if anything else, like I was, if I'm not the strongest guy, if I'm not the, you know, the funniest guy, I'm not the best looking. At least I can I can catch an idea, I can learn something, and uh, when you take that away from me that gets scary for me and you know here I am just talking about it on a podcast on the internet and honestly I didn't mean each of these interstitials that I sat down and recorded to be this uh, this either grim thing or this expose on my life or what have you it's just what happens when I sit down to talk in front of a microphone un- unfettered without a subject in mind I just talk and I ramble and I go on and um, yeah so I my question is, how about you guys out there? I know, you know, there are some people listening to the show that are younger than me, and there's some that are older. Like, uh, what it, what was the, for you personally, and this can be a personal discussion we have through email. I don't have to read these on the show if you don't want. I just want to know. I consider everyone that listens to the show a friend. What are some of the most jarring experiences that has occurred to you that tells you you're getting older? Um, whether that be something physical, um, that happened. I mean, personally, that's always kind of been a problem for me because I had a, I had a, quite a bad knee injury um, as a teenager, 
that uh, I never fully recovered from and had two surgeries on, did physical therapy wrong, all that kind of cocky young adult stuff. And so I've always kind of, you know, struggled getting back on that field. But maybe that's not the case for you. Maybe you were, you know, you were, you were the guy as a teenager. And now, you know, something happened and now you realize you're not invincible. Or is it like me where you realize that, you know, you're not as quick as you once were? Or is it something completely elsewise? You know, send an email into the show, DM me on Twitter, what have you, and just let me know uh, how you feel. So, uh, Bjorn, I, I, I do say that right, right? Like, it, it's Bjorn, like, with a, with a, like, a Y kind of thing, right? Like, Bjorn, is that, am I correct? Or have I been saying it wrong for all this time? Well, uh, you have been saying it wrong, but from <sighs> an uh, American point of view, you've been saying it right, so. <laughs> well, then, if Swedish, it, it's, then uh, what, uh, what's the right way to say it? Bjorn. Bjorn? So, like, I'm messing up the O, not the J. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so, all right, got it. Like, so it's closer to a U, like Bjorn, right? Yeah, exactly. All right, so that's way better than Bjorn, okay? Like, I was a lot closer than that, all right? Like, give me some credit, all right? Uh, So, uh, on your show, uh, Guide to Fantasy and Sci-Fi... A guide to all things fantasy and sci-fi. You recently talked about a movie, uh, Critters, right? From 1986? Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and I... And, uh, I go ahead. I'm just going to say, 
I change the name of the podcast. It's all things fancy and sci-fi. It's just a bit easier oh, to remember. There's <laughs> no a guide to it. All right. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so I think I, I sent you a message like right after I saw that it was on my feed. Like fucking critters, man. I love critters. Like, And I thought I was the only person that loved critters because I have a dark, deep, secret, guilty pleasure that is shitty 80s movies and i'll get into that in just a second but i wanted to make a point where everyone says uh critters is a ripoff of gremlins right now while they may be right it was like new lines response to gremlins kind of um gremlins to me is always kind of like a magic like kids version of all of these little creature movies that came out in the 80s. And there are way more of them than you think. Because you got Gremlins. You got Troll. You've got uh, Ghoulies. You've got Critters. And you've got Hobgoblins. There were a ton of these little angry creature movies. In the <laughs> 80s. They were everywhere. So for everyone that specifically shits on Critters. For being a ripoff of Gremlins. No. Like it, it, I, I, I'm with. I'm on. Uh your side on this one where it's no, I, I, I don't think so. I think it's a, uh, not quite, not quite a rip off. It's different. Cause it's, it's, it's their sci-fi to gremlins fantasy. Right. Right. Okay. <laughs> but that kind of leads us directly into the topic I want to talk about with you today. And that is, uh, the, just the secret treasure trove. I don't know if it's secret of, of shitty eighties movies. Um, and you had told me that you were also a fan of shitty eighties movies. What are some of the, the movies that are often regarded as shit that you have a true fondness for? Do you have any that come immediately to mind? Cause I know I got a few. Well, <clears throat> the one you mentioned before is crawl is one of them. Crawl. And yeah. I think it's, uh, yeah, exactly. And I think that, uh, well, seeing movies as shitty more or less is, very much a uh, personal view, but I'm thinking of exactly Crawl and then um, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. That, but I don't know if that's considered a bad movie, Big Trouble in Little China. I think that's well, considered like like a campy kind of thing. Plus, it's a lot of farce. Yeah. Like, that movie is very farcical. Yeah, well, I, was, I saw some lists and... Uh, and Big Trouble in Little China was like the head of all the movies that the people had voted for, like crap. I was like, no, it ain't. No, Big Trouble in no, Little no, China. No, it's not. I don't, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's crap. But what are some others? So you, you said Crawl, and a lot of people talk about Crawl. Um, not the biggest fan of Crawl myself. And we'll get into the 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 rabbit hole that is that that talk I'm talking about here in a minute. But uh, yes, yeah, so you got Crawl, you got Big Trouble in Little China. One I had asked you if you had seen from my side is a movie called Once Bitten. Uh, and this is a stars like a very young Jim Carrey. It's about a uh, vampire, uh, vampiress. I don't know. She's like this vampire and she's in charge of this vampire clan. But in order to remain young and beautiful, she has to feed on virgins. So, like, it's this really weird romp where he's trying to, like, have sex with his girlfriend, and then he thinks he's having sex with this vampire lady, but in fact she's, like, draining blood out of his thigh, and she has to do that three times, 
Like, it's really weird, but I love it. Um, just to say one, what are some other ones you, you, you're sitting on over there? Uh, <clears throat> well, I'm just checking through. I got a list here and okay, it's uh, been a sleepless night, so I got to... <laughs> oh, boy. Well, uh, let's see. Well, if we're not going to talk about uh, any specific genres of movies, and such, um, if you know the movie No Retreat, No Surrender, for example. No Retreat, No Surrender? What is that about? No, no retreat, no surrender. No retreat, no surrender. What's 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 that about? Well, it's <laughs> if I remember correctly, it's Jean Claude Van Damme who's coming to. Um, he comes over to the U.S. and well, and the normal martial arts movies, <clears throat> but uh, he's giving a guy a good beating, and he's gonna be like. Oh, I'm gonna get revenge for this. I'm gonna, well, he's gonna give some payback. And uh, he starts working out really hard. And it's like, have a, I think he has a ghost coach in his head who's like, oh, just pepping him and getting him going and everything. And nobody can see him. And suddenly he's doing every goddamn uh, exercise you ever have been able to do for, well, for martial arts. And in the end, he just stands in the ring and be like, oh, come on, Russian boy. What's every, what was he saying? And, uh, well, you can figure out the rest. It's just, it's so, ah, it's just crap. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's, what's another one? So, like, there was a string of, like, it's, it's just these B-list uh, 80s movies. Basically anything that had, like, an E.G. Daily fucking song on it. Uh so like uh, spring break, there was uh, what's the other one? I uh, summer school with Kirstie Alley's in that thing. Uh, there, there a plethora. Like, have you ever seen, like speaking of uh, John Clavett? I don't know if this is early '90s or still in the '80s, but there's a movie called The Quest that's just yeah. horrendous. Yeah. Uh, it's it's basically just a ripoff of Bloodsport. Just straight rip off of Bloodsport. Um, there are a ton of these I could go on all day. Uh, when did the Creep Show movies come out? Like the first two? Uh, I'm gonna check. I'm gonna because I want to say they were either <clears throat> late '80s or early '90s, um, as well. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Maximum Overdrive as well. Uh, as many people shit on that movie, like Maximum Overdrive, I think that movie's hilarious. Uh, and over the top, then, yeah, man, the it, it in go ahead. Got I'm looking for a movie. It's goddamn, I don't know what's called in English. It's what it um, it stars Hulk Hogan. He's, Hulk Hogan. Um, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. What's it about? Uh, he's uh, uh, let's see. He's a bounty hunter or something from uh, from outer space and crash lands on Earth. Let's see. Suburban, suburban commando. commando yeah, suburban yeah. command. I want to say that was in the nineties, though, wasn't it? And ninety one. Ninety one. <clears throat> oh, well, that's close enough to the eighties to count it. Uh, what? Is, so, like, critters is always on that list for me. Um. And another part of this obsession 
for me is like the shitty synthy soundtracks that come with these things. Yeah. So um, I actually own a lot of them. Like there are some of them like I legit have the vinyl for. Right. Um, I, I don't know why. I, I, I feel the need to have these things. It could be a nostalgia thing. Uh, it could be an incredibly poor taste in music because I understand that these these overly produced songs that come on these movies back then are the are garbage. Like they're super shit. But uh, I, f- I think it's fun to have them. Like, and they're not in my normal playlist rotation. Like, if you're at the house party and like you're not like. Fucking E.G. Daly's not coming across the goddamn speaker uh, set, just to let you know. Um, but I have them, so I have the one for Critters, because the stupid Power of the Night, uh, what is it, Power of the Night, uh, Shadows, Colin, Power of the Night, uh, <laughs> something, something, I don't know, it's really bad. Uh, then I have uh, I have the Revenge of the Nerds soundtrack on vinyl, but that's a more popular movie. I have... Uh, Shit. Uh, the once bitten, like I was talking about. Uh, I have. I have the one from Summer School. I have the Better Off Dead soundtrack, but a lot of people know Better Off Dead. Like if you've never seen the movie Better Off Dead with uh, John Cusack, you should do your fa- do yourself a favor and watch that movie. Um, that's a really entertaining movie in its own right. Um, so like just stuff like that. I have a ton. I have to have more than a dozen '80s soundtracks on vinyl, and I don't know why I do, but I do. <laughs> uh, so uh, my obsession may stretch a little further than yours. Uh, but so uh, do you have any others you'd like to talk about before I have another question for you? I'd like to ask you. And see where it takes you. I didn't prep you for this question, but I want to see if you have any other uh, shitty '80s movies that you want to mention. Well, I'm gonna. <clears throat> I'm looking uh, for one movie right now, and I can't find it. So, well, it's uh, <clears throat> I don't know if you've seen it. I don't know if it's crappy or not, really. But I'm guessing by today's standard, it's, it's supposed to be. It's, uh, I think it's Italian or something. It's called like 2009, The New Barbarians or something. I don't know if you're... No, I've never heard of this. Let's see. Oh, another um, one's like My Science Project. I forget about My Science Project. That one's so stupid. Here, let's see. Uh, I think it's this one. It's called... Oh, in Spanish. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's gonna. The, uh, ah, I think it's Warriors of the Wasteland or something. It's made in '83, and it's one of those movies I have memories from when I was a kid, and my brothers were watching and was like, oh, oh, oh. Warriors. And I think it had a follow up, The New Barbarians or something. And, well, <laughs> I can recommend you looking at that. Those are like really classic. 80s. Um, oh no, I'm definitely gonna watch them now. If you said it, like that's 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 my go-to. Like you don't understand how much I I love these these cheesy, sometimes overproduced, sometimes underproduced movies from the 80s. Um, 
and what do you why do you think that is? Why do you think they they hold a special level of camp that say something from the seventies, nineties, or even today? Because you have all those cheap ripoff movies that come out today that that have um, names close to like blockbusters made by like some production studio that's trying to like cash it on grandmas that don't know what the right thing to get the red box is, you know. Like, like you got Transformers yeah. and you got like Transmorphers, like come out around the same time. And what makes these these things that came out in the '80s better than the say the the shitty D-list movies coming out today? Well, I think it's uh, I think it's a matter of feeling and how it's made. I mean, these new movies <clears throat> they look gorgeous and uh, everything is smooth and. Well, it's very realistic in a way as well. I think the 80s movies were like, you could see it's, uh, well, how it was made and everything, and still it got a feeling through. I mean, you didn't have to have all this CGI and everything just to make a movie and, uh, well, well, just get a vibe from it. I mean, the 80s movies that were, some of them at least, that were scary, I mean, they can still be fucking scary. I mean, I showed, let's see... Uh, Many years ago, uh, my stepkid here, we watched Alien, and we were living in an apartment, and I can promise you when we were going up the stairs, well, he checked two and three times around the corner before we went ahead to the apartment. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Aliens, I always prefer Aliens over Alien, but both good choices. Um, and I personally think it's due to, like, then... Some of these feel like they honestly were A, either having fun making the movie, or B, didn't quite realize they were making garbage. Not like, not like trauma film, like where you, like that, that's manufactured camp, if you ask me, where they're trying to make like this cultish kind of thing. These movies yeah. felt like, nah, oh, man, we're making a movie. This is great, right? We're getting to make a movie. And um, we're gonna make a movie about what we want to. It's not related to another thing. It's gonna be its own, its own steaming pile of shit, and we don't care. Um, and there was something about like that level of genuineness. Plus, a lot of it was like weirdly overproduced. Some of these, some of these B-list films, because they end up with. Uh, this is a thing that I totally miss. I so miss, like these film studios partnering up with these record labels and these record labels. Well, we have these, these weird, uh, this weird Austrian techno group that we can have make a song for you that has the name of the movie in it. Right. Like, and do this weird synthy, uh, title song. And we don't, you don't get these title songs anymore, man. And there, I think something special about that. Yeah, and as well as when uh, all these movies were made, more or less, I mean, they were breaking their own ground. I mean, <clears throat> these days, you can make a new genre or anything. I mean, it's just a remake of what you already got. But in the 80s, I mean, all the fantasy, sci-fi, <clears throat> it were not all that much around, really. So I think that's... Uh, they didn't have a template just to follow. This is more like, okay, what do we want to do? Oh, here's a crazy story. It's... Uh, like the movie I, I linked to, The Sword and the Sorcerer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's... Uh, I'm just going to uh, check when it's, when it's made. There, let's see. I mean, that's in 82, and in the beginning of the movie, 
he has a sword that with three blades and he can shoot two of them from the uh, from the handle just you you can see it's being uh, uh, pressurized I don't know what's the word in uh, in English uh, well you, you can really see the smoke coming out and how it's working okay. and everything but still I mean when they made that movie it were well it were badass because no, nobody had probably done it before stuff like that I think that's something that uh, well new movies from today can't yeah, doesn't hold up in the same way. I think that's why we have this nostalgia for old movies because, well, actually, they were the first. Yeah, yeah. And before I get one more question for you, but before I get to it, like, people always want to say, uh, like, friend, dog, man, why, how do you have nostalgia for shit from the 80s? You didn't live through the 80s. Well, um, to explain that, I had uh, a less than... I wasn't exactly, I wasn't in the money growing up, right? Neither of my parents were incredibly wealthy. And they, it was a lot of, you know, bartering happening around the house where, you know, my dad might fix somebody's car or he might just, somebody might just give him a crate of old VHSs. And uh, we didn't have like cable TV until I was a teenager. I had to have been 12, 13 years old before I got uh, cable TV. So a lot of my time was spent playing, you know, old hand-me-down video games. So, you know, that's how somebody of my age is attached to things like Sega Genesis or the NES, Super Nintendo, um, or watching old movies, right? Like, I mean, yeah, we had the collection of your standard Disney movies around, but at a certain age, you stop caring about that and you want to watch other stuff. And a lot of it was just these old VHSs that had like three movies kind of <laughs> recorded on them, right, illegally. And I would, it would, I would put in a tape, and probably one of my favorite tapes that pl- I played the most, it had uh, Revenge of the Nerds, followed by, uh, fuck, I know, 13-year-old watching Revenge of the Nerds. It's okay. Um, Revenge of the Nerds, I want to say it was followed by Spring Break, and then the last movie on the tape was Creep Show. So, like, I watched that tape a ton, a ton. Um, and there was other stuff like it. And that's that's how I have a, the nostalgia for these movies that are outside, say, quote unquote, my age range. Um, what do you say? For me, it's uh, <clears throat> I'm uh, 82, and uh, well, if it had had been the normal, uh, uh, well, normal cycle for me, I wouldn't have watched many of these movies either. I mean, when the 90s came, I were eight, so. But on the other hand, I had or have two brothers who were eight and ten years older than me. So mm-hmm. I think that um, they helped me along a lot with watching the movies that I shouldn't be watching. I mean, I were like seven and watching the first Poltergeist movie or something like that. Eh, our mom was not that impressed by that. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, my parents didn't give a rat's ass. Like, and like, oh, there's there's boobies. They look at me. Are you sure you should be watching this? And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. And they're like, okay. <laughs> like, that's that's my parents for you. I mean, they would have given me a beer if I'd asked for it. So, uh, that's that's just they were like, ah, Brent's mature for his age. He can handle it. Now, my brother, on the other hand, they would have been like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, what are you doing here? Go away. Um, so. 
Yeah, no, I, my last question for you, though, is, is here, we're sitting here and we're talking about quote-unquote shitty movies. More like weird movies that we enjoy, right? Like, these are guilty pleasure movies, right? Where you, sh- you kind of yeah. know you shouldn't like it, but you like it. Are there any movies of the era that you find legitimately bad? And not like, like, oh, God, I just, I, I don't care to watch that again. But bad to the point where you felt like you wasted a section of your life watching this hot garbage. Do you have anything that comes right to mind? Because I certainly do. Oh. Well. Not on top of my head. All right, I'll go first then, and I'll give you a minute to think. Because I want to talk about a movie. And I might have spoke of it on this show before, but it's it's called Monkey Shines, right? And the premise of this movie is I don't even fully. All right, so there's the main character. Like with the first five minutes of his, the movie, he runs he he runs out his front door to go for a run. He's hit by a car. Boom, quadriplegic, right? And then there's all this fucking woe is me shit, and his friend gives him this monkey, this capuchin monkey, that they had been doing experiments on. Like, he'd injected him with, like, like, like human blood or, like, human brain cells. I don't remember the specific pseudoscience they tried to fucking pass on me. And he gives him this monkey, but this monkey is now, like, hyper-intelligent. But the monkey falls in love with him and then starts to kill people. I... <laughs> Okay, and I don't under I can't begin to even express to you guys the level of ridiculousness at play here. Like, I mean, and and they're trying to be serious about this, which makes me mad because they're da- taking themselves entirely too seriously. Like, there's this love story between the uh, the main character and this chick, and at one point in the film. There is a love scene, right? Yes, there is a love scene between a fully functional woman and this quadriplegic male. And you might ask yourself, how is that going to work? Because, I mean, his doodle's not going to work. His doodle is broken, right? He's quadriplegic. And so they're at this, I don't it's like a barn or a garage. There's, it's just a big room. But there's a bed with the hospital size uh you know, like the pull-up bar, you know, like people reposition themselves in the bed with. Yeah. She pulls herself up on that and plants her hoo-ha down on his face. All right? Like, this is happening in a movie. And I think to myself, how does she know he needs to breathe? He can't tap out? Fucker's quadriplegic. Like, he can't. He can't. Oh, this is the, this is the, the most unsafe thing that could be happening right now. Like this is irresponsible from all parties is what this is. And so not only am I taken aback by this because I mean she's a very pretty woman and normally you're like yeah, you want to see her doing doing the dirty in the sex scene in the movie, right? That's fine. But not in this case, because the whole thing feels uncomfortable, it feels irresponsible, it feels wrong, and not because he's a quadriplegic. I'm not saying quadriplegic shouldn't get a little something-something, but, it, like, that seems wrong, that doesn't seem good, 
Like, that seems like there should be other safety measures in place. And then, to top it all off, the icing on this cake that is this hot, steaming pile of garbage called Monkey Shines is the climax of the movie, where the monkey's gone fully insane. The monkey is killing everybody. It's just fucking killing everybody. And it comes down to a fight scene in the house between a quadriplegic and a capuchin monkey. The climax of the movie is a fucking monkey fighting a dude in a wheelchair that can't do nothing but move his head. And you know how he wins? How do you think he wins this 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 battle? Oh my do I wanna know? Do I really wanna know? Oh, you gotta know. He he tells the monkey that he is sorry and that he loves her and that he wants a hug. And the monkey comes in for a hug and he bites down and he thrashes around and kills the monkey. That's how he wins. <laughs> okay, sorry for <clears throat> laughing here about that. And then not five minutes later, he gets a phone call after the, the girl comes back and he's oh, oh, it's so scary. Everything's going to be okay now. He gets a phone call. Doctor's like, we got a brand new surgery. We can fix you. And he walks off into the sunset with the lady. In 10 minutes, he is cured of being a quadriplegic and walks off into the sunset. Oh, my God. I'm not, I'm not going to watch that movie, really. No. Everyone listening to the sound of my voice, save your time. You might think, Brent, that sounds crazy and ridiculous. That sounds like a good time. No, it is not. It is a waste of two hours of your life, and I will never get that two hours back, and I'm very upset about it. If you can't tell, do you have any experiences akin to that? Or am I the only one that has a movie so bad it made him mad? Well, there is a movie. Well, I can't really, uh, I can't say if it's really bad or what I should say, but uh, one moment. Uh, I remember watching it and being like, what am I looking at? And it's a movie with Sean Connery from 74, actually. It's uh, fantasy. It's Sardos. Sardos! And I was like, what the... I mean, I don't reg- I do not regret watching it, but still being like, oh, what the hell am I watching? Sardos. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> That's the I, Penis is Evil movie, right? Yeah, he has the little red mankini and everything. Oh, dear call God. It. Fucking Zardoz. Oh, man. Does that have Olivia Newton-John in? Is that the one? Uh, let's see. Nope. Who's the female uh, lead in that movie? Uh, let's see. Charlotte Rampling. No, Where maybe I'm not is. thinking of the, the right movie. I know that's the Penis is Evil movie. What am I thinking of in the same... I'm thinking of Xanadu is the one I'm thinking of that has fucking uh, Olivia Newton-John in it. But... Oh. Yeah, no. that's that's They're both garbage. You ever seen Solar Babies? You should watch Solar Babies. No, I've not seen that. <laughs> that's, that's hot garbage. That's fucking hot, hot garbage. Oh, my God. But anyway, uh, I want to thank you for coming around and talking shitty movies with me, taking up some time in your morning. 
Um, where can people find you on the internet and listen to you talk about more things without me dominating and talking all the time? Because that's what I like to do. <laughs> well, on uh, iTunes, there is nothing on Android, but that's all things fantasy and sci-fi. I'm just rambling on on different things that springs to mind. And on Twitter, that's at Mantheon, M-E-N-T-H-I-O-N. I think that's most easily where I can be found if anybody want to complain about anything or just add something for a review or anything. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me, and we'll talk to you later, buddy. Yeah, later. You know what? Um, I want to tell you guys a story, and this could be... Uh, uh, I don't qualify classify this as a, as a TMI story, really, because... Uh, there are a lot worse things that me and Nick say on the regular on our shows. Um, but this is a story for when I'm real little, because everybody has these experiences that happen to them when they're young uh, that, that sticks with them, whether it be embarrassing or formative or what have you. This is an embarrassing story for me. Uh, I'm not embarrassed by it anymore, but there was a, it was a story that uh, embarrassed me and sort of probably contributed to my social awkwardness through um, middle school and high school because it's a story that reaches back way back it's like elementary school this is oh boy this is 20 years ago and uh, so to set the story off um, out of nowhere they have this uh, this assembly right and this is a real small school right I mean so much so that assemblies were held in the in the cafeteria. I mean, that's just there was a there was an area up front. If it, you know if parents were coming, then they'd all they'd go to the gymnasium. But all the students could fit in the cafeteria, um, half the cafeteria at one time. It, it, it wasn't many. Um, and so they had this. He was this children's poet, right? Uh, I don't remember the fellow's name. He was. Uh, a gentleman, his 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 shtick was he tell this poetry to kids, and they were they, it was funny to kids. It was supposed to be funny for kids. It's a bunch of like, you know, uh, pee jokes, and you know, and you know, the dog slipped on the banana, and you know, broke a vase, kind of yeah, just uh, this over the top whimsical stuff for children. And I didn't know it was coming. I was unprepared. I probably didn't pay attention. God knows. Uh, I've gotten through a lot of my life without paying full attention to anything. And so we're all carted off to the cafeteria for what have you. And we're, um, we all sit down on the floor of the cafeteria. Looking back, that's disgusting. Like, you couldn't get me to sit down on the floor of a cafeteria. And we proceed to listen to this poet. But, uh, and he's real funny. Like, I'm laughing real hard. And uh, to sort of color this um, encounter, I had had to go uh, let one loose for quite a while. I was waiting for uh, my chance to go to the restroom. And as soon as the last kid from the restroom came back is when we went to this this thing. And, you know, I couldn't quite, is not the kind of toodles that you, you crop dust down the hallway. All right. And... So here I am, sitting on this hard, 
tile floor in this cafeteria with all of my peers, with a guy who's sent there to make me laugh. And sure enough, he gets to... I, uh, I honestly forget about this this pinched fart I'm holding in, right? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm a little kid. I'm like, ah, ha, 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 I'm laughing, laughing, laughing. And he hits this break in his thing, like, to catch a breath, and that's when it busts loose. And, I mean, it is loud against this tile floor. I mean, you can hear it echo in this cafeteria. I fucking farted so loud, guys. It's it's stupid. And looking back, it's fucking hilarious because I swear you can, like, the poet, like, just stops and stares at me with his mouth kind of like a gape. And, like, my the teachers are over there and they just kind of look at me and then one even looks at me like I did like I did it on purpose. Like, I'm, I'm there to, like, cause a scene. And uh, thankfully enough, this 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 guy, this presenter, um, goes on about his business, and it and it um, takes some of the pressure off of me for just having let one rip in this school assembly. But the funny part of it is, yes, it, while it's embarrassing that uh, you know I was obviously made fun of immediately after, but the people that went to elementary school with me that I graduated with, which was only a small fraction of my graduating class because as you go up in the in the grades and the schools and the whatnot, um, you it's an increased population. You're pulling from other schools and going on up into high school. So um, it was a very small population that I graduated with that I actually went to elementary school with. And I had not one... But two people, as you're going around shaking hands with everybody in your graduating class, some of you might not have talked to in six, seven years. I had two people go, hey, man, remember that time you farted in the fucking thing in elementary school, man? And it's like, really, of all the things, we're going to sit here and say goodbye to each other for the rest of our lives. You're going to bring up a moment when I was eight years old that I farted in the school cafeteria.
So, here with Blaine today, and uh, we're still still kind of working out what we're going to talk about, but it's all cool. So, uh, what 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 have you been up to, man, buddy? It seems like it's been a while since so we had you on the show. Yeah, uh, I wish I could tell you that I'm doing, you know, things that aren't just like dad-related for the most part. You know, just going to work, taking care of the kid. Uh, occasionally, I get a chance to play a game here or there, or, you know, get on Discord and throw up a funny meme or something, but really... Life is uh, been just pretty pretty lazy as of late. Oh, it make make time to throw up memes. He's throwing memes on the Discord every day. Like I mean, it's right. every every hour. It's like I get twenty new notifications oh, from yeah. Discord, and it's unless he's asleep, it's it's a meme. I mean, let's let's be fair. But uh, that, that it's fine. Uh, I've been about more or less the same. You know, trying to get some game time in, trying to juggle getting all the games done we got to do and then playing with the kiddo and and work and um i've really kind of started to strike down that uh the 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 line for that work-life balance like i've really started to say no fuck you i'm not doing it and that's that's kind of working out really well for me at least right now maybe not in a year when i don't have a job but that's another discussion entirely uh but the main thing I guess I really wanted to talk to you about is because, uh, first off, I'm lazy and I've been meaning to do a thing. But a while ago, I had caught up on a lot of stuff and I was listening back to um, a lot of our old uh, sort of reruns of your old episodes, especially uh, some of uh, your earlier episodes, one in which uh, you was like your game collecting 101, right? Yeah, I believe you suggested that episode, actually. I did, because the, these are the weird esoteric things that I have questions about. Uh, and I don't know why that is. It is what it is. Um, but, uh, so I had essentially like a, I, I, you know, I sent you a text message. I was like, look, I got a whole nother round of questions. If you ever want them and you're like, send them my way. And then I never did because I'm lazy and forget to do things. But I have you here on Skype right now. And I figured I'd, I'd go over some of those, uh, just bring them on. You see what you got. Um, because mostly it, it has to do with, uh, upkeep and management of your collection. Right. Oh wow. Okay. So this is this is really uh, high tier stuff. stuff yeah. uh, it's super boring stuff. Now, <laughs> sure. Well, I'm, I'm down. <laughs> well, my my first my my first question I think everyone asks about uh, is is the storing of cards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what is your preferred? So not everyone's got the complete uh, case to go with it, right? So what right. is your preferred method for storing carts safely? Um, especially ones that are going to sit on the shelf for a long time. Well, if it's like, say it's varying degrees, right? I'm I'm not going to spend the money to buy like hard plastic cases for every game I have for say the NES. I've got almost 600 titles. Uh, that's just not happening. Uh, typically those cases run from a dollar to $5 a piece on eBay. I'm not doing that shit. So you kind of, unless you're JD Rockefeller or something, you kind of have to, uh, decide which ones are really getting the, the highest level of care as opposed to, you know, just literally sitting on a shelf. So I have, you know, my commons, your games like, you know, RBI Baseball or Super Mario Brothers Duck Hunt or something like that. Those are just in, you know, sitting on a shelf, literally. It gets dusted maybe once a year or whatever. I, I take down and clean the games occasionally, um, you know, make sure they're still working. Uh, some of them, unfortunately, over time don't and a lot of times with the carts luckily you're able to get these back working with a little mild uh maintenance you know uh, like cleaning the contacts with uh 
usually alcohol is what I use. It says not to use alcohol, but that's really the best uh, thing there is for it. Uh, you can, in extreme cases, also take like a little eraser and rub it up against the contacts, and uh, that time that a lot of times will bring the game back to life. Um, but yeah, those cheaper games, they, they're just sitting there. And then you have your next tier games, your ten and twenty dollar games and stuff like that. I typically keep those in the like in the NES example um, in the black sleeves that they originally came with. If okay. you remember those box, you know, mm-hmm. they said like Nintendo across them or whatever. So those games are for the most part those are in there. And then when you're talking about like your very expensive games, you're you know I've got like Cowboy Kid or like uh, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers Two or Ducktales Two or something like that that are in the couple hundred dollar range or more. You know, um, I have those in all the. Uh, you remember those rental things you would get like when you rented a game from Blockbuster? Sure, like those uh, semi semi clear white white gray uh, cases. Precisely, yeah. yeah. And they said like Nintendo across them a lot of the time or whatever, right? I find those occasionally at, you know, garage sales, flea markets, whatever, and I pick them up, and all my higher-dollar games I place in those, and then I've got a, goofy, but I've got a label maker, and I will print labels for those particular titles, and I put those in there. And then for your boxed games, um, some of them, admittedly, I'm kind of lazy, some of them are just sitting in boxes, but the majority of my boxed game collection is also in these little plastic uh, sleeves that you put over the box. Okay. To protect the Which, box from... Yeah, to okay. protect the box a little bit. And then if you have the box, and, and labels in general too, um, and this goes for virtually anything that you'd be collecting, you know, comic books or uh, baseball cards, anything paper-oriented. And these labels are, you know, they're made of paper, guys. So if you keep them somewhere where they're indirect sunlight or even indirect sunlight, um, they, they'll start to fade over time and start looking really wonky. The plastic itself will start to fade. So if you... If you ever seen pictures of my game room, Brent, you'll notice I have a singleton window, and uh, uh, the majority of the games face away from that window, and that's because I don't want natural light to, you know, uh, you know, it was very, I was very conscious in which room I wanted to use for my game room because the sun su- sets on either side of the window; it never actually glares directly through it and stuff like that. I mean, when you're talking about a collection that's worth more than like a brand new Lexus. Uh, you really want to do all you can to keep it, you know, in a decent sort of shape so that it down the line, if I do want to buy that Lexus, I can sell it and do so. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then back to the cases for the carts, you'd think that by now someone would have come up with a, like a, like almost like a heavy duty sort of like a paper or cardboard solution to that instead of those, those uh, form pressed fucking uh, plastic cases. You sure. know, and, and and they did actually, and you there's a there's a number of sites where you can order them. There's a there's a couple of sites where you can print these off. I believe uh, one of the most famous ones is called the Cover Project. Okay, and you can print out these uh, custom made. They look essentially like the old black sleeves that came with all the NES games, for instance, and they fit on the same way. Except uh, you print them out on like construction paper or whatever paper you want. Cut them out, you know, and. Uh, fold them and tape them together or glue them together, however you want. And they will actually, they look a little cooler because they'll do the actual box art onto these cases. And I've seen a lot of collections that look really great. People have taken the time to do that. It's a lot of time though. Yeah. 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 I understand what, I understand where you're going from. Um, so no, that's, that's, that's the, I, probably interesting to nobody but me, but, uh, that's, that's fair. Um, I guess, 
next, along with all these games that you have sitting around, there's got to be just a ton of consoles, right? Um, now, More personal personal question: Do you have all of them hooked up at one time? Oh God, no, 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 no! I've okay. thought about that. I've thought about that. Um, if you count uh, handhelds. Think I'm nearing. I don't know. It's either thirty or forty different uh, game consoles, right? Yeah. Um, at any given time, I typically have three hooked up. I've got a, a two television setup. I've got my CRT that plays all my older systems. You know, your Sega Genesis, your Super Nintendo, Nintendo, even uh, PlayStation Two and PlayStation One and Saturn and all that stuff all gets run off of the uh, the old CRT. I've got a thirty-two inch in the corner. I have another 32-inch flat-screen monitor that um, I use for all the modern systems that are HD compatible. You know, uh, got it. Even the Dreamcast and stuff gets run through that and looks really superb. Um, your PlayStation 3 on up and stuff. Oh, once Xbox they started system. making them for the digital signal, it's it's kind of it's kind of worth mm-hmm. it to go to the HD TV anyway. Um, yeah. So, Mike, I guess my follow-up question for that is. Uh, where do I keep all that shit? No, no, not necessarily storing <laughs> consoles, because that's going to be, that's, you know, obviously a shelf that you nice, keep nice and clean and pretty, or if you want to display oh, them or somewhere, or if you, you know, in a in some sort of, you know, I've opaque got giant storage container. drawers that I inherited from my mother uh-huh. that I kind of want to get rid of, and it's basically, you know, it's a clothes drawer thing, you know, mm-hmm. and it's got like a bookshelf on top of it as well. And I've kind of repurposed it to hold all my consoles. Um, each drawer can hold, depending on the console. So, you know, I've got some consoles are really big. can hold two consoles or more if they're particularly small. And then I do have a lot of these things. Like, I don't think I've ever posted a picture of the actual uh, stupid wardrobe thing itself. But I've got a lot of uh, just boxed complete consoles, mm-hmm. too. I've got two PS2s boxed complete, my PS3 my ColecoVision, my Atari, uh, my Dreamcast, uh, I've got a Sega Genesis, a 360, a Sega CD, Super Nintendo, Nintendo. These are all boxed. They still have all their original boxes and stuff. So I just leave them in there until I feel like I want to play them. And some of them I don't even do that. I have multiple copies. Like uh, my Nintendo that's boxed, it looks real nice where it's at. I, I don't really like it, taking it in and out of its box. Of course not. So, so I just have another Nintendo because why the fuck not? Um, yeah. It's whatever. So all right, what about uh, what about the maintenance on those consoles? So well, let's say you have a mm-hmm. console that's not quite working right. Is the, is that trash time, or are there services no, out there I that that fix it? No, I've got currently. I have uh, let's see three PS2s, uh, two of which one of which works perfect. My original Fat works great. It's still got the uh, hard drive on the back and everything like that. Um, the other two, one I bought at a garage sale, it was boxed complete, but when I brought it home, it would power on but not do anything. Um, I didn't trash it because one of these days when I get the information, I will fix it, right? And then yeah. I've got another Slim that works, but you kind of have to tap on it to make it work and so on and so forth. I've got a Saturn that will power on, but it won't uh, spin a disc, so the motor on the disc uh, drive is out, okay. stuff like that. But at a, I keep them because if at a later date my other Saturn, for instance, were to go out, I could take the disk drive out of that one if it, that wasn't the problem, put it in the, the one that the only problem it has is the disk drive is out, and now I've got a system that works again, right? Yeah, sure, also, absolutely. you run into things like um, recently they discovered a way to utilize the audio port on a Sega Saturn 
and it hasn't come out yet, but a Kickstarter started, it was funded, and you'll be able to uh, play games through that audio port, which is just like, wow, that's cool. So uh, emulation for that system has always been like really shoddy. And whereas I don't want to necessarily do that on my main Saturn because, I, you know, I don't know what it might do to the system. Probably nothing, but still might as well not do it to that. I'll do it to the other system, which works fine outside of it can't read discs. Well, it won't have to once I get that device, and that'll be my dedicated Saturn uh, demo or whatever you want to call it, console. So, okay. yeah, I save all that stuff. And how uh, how easy it is, is it to do repairs on those consoles sometimes? Ooh, you know, Dreamcast back isn't so bad. Um, even PlayStation 2, when you open one up, you, that one gets a little rougher. You've got the ribbon cable that you don't really want to separate and stuff, and you really have to kind of know your stuff. As, as far as Dreamcast back, though, um, they're all really easily, like, like, it's all mechanical for the most part. Of course, there are boards in there, but they're like the most simplistic boards that you will ever, you know, mess with. Their controllers are also just completely easy to take apart and uh, you can look up diagrams online, you know, how to tutorials on YouTube and whatnot. Now it's uh, it's all very easy to do. Now when you go into the like more modern era, like I, I had a couple of uh, PS3 controllers that I may or may not have knocked a beer onto that quit working. And um, I thought, Oh, I'll just open them up and clean all the, you know, everything and uh, they should work. Well, I don't know what kind of magic paper they use as a board, but it has like a board that is literally made out of cellophane. Oh man. And I, when I opened it up, the whole thing just like fell apart and I couldn't get it back together. So I just threw that in the dumpster and bought a new one. Um, yeah, I won't work on like modern stuff. It's kind of like cars, man. You know, the more technology that goes into it, the harder and harder it becomes, the more technical you have to be to be able to work on it. Absolutely. Um, but all these retro systems, like I'm not, I'm not a gearhead at, like by any means. I don't, you know, I don't work on cars or stuff. I do stuff that I have to do to be able to fix up if I can't afford it. And the same is true for these systems. Um, I never wanted to know how my Sega Genesis works, but I do now because I've had to fix it so many times. Same is true for my Sega CD and so on and so forth. The maintenance on all those old systems is something that really anyone uh, can do if you're not just a complete idiot. Uh, um, Everything is online at your disposal. You don't have to be like overly dexterous or have like intimate knowledge with like a soldering iron or anything like that. I mean, it's a, it's all pretty pretty easy stuff. Awesome, excellent. Now, uh, as far as I guess the cleaning of these things go, now you, you mentioned cleaning the contacts on the on the uh, <laughs> on the carts earlier, and you know, just in general, like when you're when you're dusting and cleaning off these. Uh, all your games and your consoles, is there anything in particular you, you would, you know, avoid like, you know, so like some people would say like, Oh God, don't use any sort of like uh like pledge or any sort of duster. Cause it's gonna, it's gonna fade the paint on the console or what have you. Well, I have no idea. Sure. As far as like any, anytime you're messing with something electronical, is that a word? Yeah. I think sure. Um, I don't think you, say you don't want to use something that will, uh, leave any kind of residue behind, obviously, because that could cause problems. So you don't want anything oil-based. Like, Gooby Gone is a great product to get, say, like stickers or ink or what have you off of your carts and so on and so forth. Uh, great for that. You don't want to use that same product when you're, like, cleaning the contacts. You don't want to use that product if you're opening it up and, like, cleaning the boards off. Uh, you really want something that okay. 10 minutes after you put it on goes away, evaporates. You know, All right. That's why I say alcohol. Like alcohol. Um, what's another example? Uh, 
probably like acetone would be okay. Maybe water it down a bit. I don't know. Um, I would just go with like isopropyl though. I mean, that's, that's where so it's you, at. It's so, you, so you use isopropyl for cleaning off the electronics. Now, what about yeah. sort of like the exteriors? Um, well, you can use, you can use alcohol for that as well. Um, again, like I, I like Gooby gone a lot. It gets off any kind of sticky residue. A lot of times these games have like blockbuster stickers on them Absolutely. or like maybe whatever. And it'll, it'll get that off. I, I will warn anyone listening though, if you're going to, uh, try and clean like stickers off of something, if the sticker is on top of the existing label, uh, you really have to be careful with that. Um, use your Gooby gone sparingly. Don't let that get like on the NES and, uh, excuse me, SNES, it has a thin layer of plastic that is over the paper itself. And that thin layer will protect it somewhat from the Gooby Gone, so you can kind of like go a little more liberal, liberally with that. But on the Genesis carts, um, you may notice that 99% of them don't have that plastic. It's just literally a paper sticker. You know? Yeah. And if you put Gooby Gone onto that, uh, you're going to peel up that label. And those, that's why a lot of the Genesis labels these days look like fucking ass. Um, so be aware of that. And, uh, yeah, as far as, like, getting marker off and stuff, there's a product called uh, Magic Racer that, that'll take that up. And you, you just put a little gooby gone on that or some other cleaning solvent and uh, lightly, lightly rub on wherever it is you're trying to get, you know, the marker or whatever it is off of there. Because basically it is a form of sandpaper, like a really low-grade. Uh, sandpaper and uh, it'll it'll get nearly anything off I, i've done some remarkable things with that where it was literally carts where people were like well i wouldn't even bother buying that because uh, it looks like such trash and then when i'm done with it they're amazed you know it looks uh, like an eight out of ten or something so, excellent excellent so um you know if they want to go back and listen to the game collecting 101 episode of your show you've taught us how to you know sort of keep an eye out for deals and here you've taught mm-hmm. us how to sort of protect and manage your collection. Now, my, my final question as far as game collecting at the moment, I'm sure I'll come up with more. Uh, what are, do you have any general tips to help people avoid getting uh, sort of played by people making uh, either... Or whatever. Yeah. Well, general tips as far as, like, game collecting goes. If, if something these days, honestly, if something seems too good to be true, it's probably too good to be true back in the day like you you could find your hundred dollar games and stuff like that sometimes for a dollar at a garage sale or what have you nowadays everyone has a uh, a supercomputer that they carry around in their pocket it's very easy for Mm -hmm. anyone pricing items to sell to look up and see real quick whether or not they have gold and of course everyone most everyone is going to take the time to do so now whereas before it was a little harder of a process you might have to get inside get on your computer to look everything up that could be tedious and before that, it was even easier because the internet was in its infancy, and if you really wanted to look up the prices of these things, you really had to do your research. You know, um, these days not so much. So if you go to a garage sale or a flea market or where wherever, and you see an Earthbound and they want less than a hundred dollars for it, um, it's probably not a real Earthbound. You know, you're going to want to open it up, look at the boards, type in on your smartphone because every like I said, everyone has one now, and look up what the actual boards of that system look like you know okay and uh compare it to that you know if it's a little bit of a cheaper game like say a big one that gets uh, uh copied all the time or faked all the time in pokemon games for like the game boy the game boy advance so on and so forth there's i think they estimate like one in three right now are actual fakes oh wow it's like yeah it's huge it's 
Glad I still have my original one then, and I'm not looking for that. Right. And, you know, these games aren't overly expensive. They're, you know, 20, 30, 40 bucks, whatever. Um, some of them can get a little higher. I think uh, hard gold is getting up Well, there. I mean, if one in three are fakes, then that might be why they're so cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially on the original three, is my understanding that uh, yellow, blue, and red, mm-hmm. like those are the most faked out there. And I would imagine yellow would be the most out of the three because that's probably, probably. The, the yeah. But you, uh, you just all you have to do on those, like these are all cheap Chinese knockoffs. There's a factory somewhere in China that was spitting these things out. Just by, and it may still be there. I don't know, but I mean, for years they were coming out of there, and you could buy them for uh, you know like five bucks a card or whatever. And they would work, kind of. You know, they had a lot of glitches. Um, it was inferior technology. The case itself, the label itself, a lot of times looked like it was hand cut. The case, uh, a lot of times, differed pretty greatly from the the Nintendo quality. Like the plastic itself felt lighter and cheaper and stuff. So, I mean, if you just kind of look at it, you can, on those, you just kind of look and go, okay, this isn't legit. You know. And, yeah, so just be on the lookout for that. There there have been a couple of times where even uh, I've got had, uh, the, the only one I really can remember is I bought a, a Genesis card of Contra Hardcore, and um, I was like, man, that's really weird. It's uh, It doesn't have an end label. You know, when you put the cards end to, end, to end uh, they all have labels that you can read on the side, right? Mm-hmm. This one didn't have one. Now, I know for the Super Nintendo, George Foreman Boxing doesn't have an end label, but that's like the only game I could think of that didn't. And I was like, oh, I guess Contra Hardcore also didn't have an end label. And uh, then I went to another store, and I saw that their copy did. And I was like, oh, man. So I ended up buying that copy, and I did a little research. I found out mine was like a Mexican bootleg. And it worked fine, but it wasn't the real deal. Um, it looked pretty good. So, yeah, even even guys like me that have been collecting 20 years can get had occasionally. So... You know, don't feel bad if you do, but just be aware. Like I said, man, if it seems like too good to be true, if you if you're sitting there and someone's just selling something that you know to be worth two hundred, three hundred dollars or more, and they don't want anything hardly for it, it it's probably fake. All those deals, like I, I recently got asked, I was at a game store, and the owner he said, hey, I hadn't seen you in a while, and all that kind of stuff, and then he was like, uh, uh, do you have any tips for me on where you know I'm, I've been having trouble last year or two? finding good deals for games. And like, where can I find good deals on games? I told him the past. Um, yeah, you're going to have to call Doc Brown on that one because everyone's aware. You know, yeah, so. no. yeah it's intro- entered more of a collective uh, consciousness that yeah. games are worth money. Yep, no, that's for sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's... that's uh, it is what it is, man. You know, that's why... Uh, I don't know if you find too many like full-blown collectors these days. I think most people are just after very specific things instead of the full-blown collection like you have, sir. Uh, well, um, and, and mine is actually, I have a very, very impressive collection for like the town I live in, right? And when people see it, like I've been asked by several of my friends, like, man, do you just have like the most games in the world or Arkansas? Oh, I'm, I'm like, sure no, not. Not even, not even fucking close. <laughs> I'm dude. sure not. Um, there are... And you think, yeah, there's not a lot of collectors. It's it's actually kind of ridiculous. Once you become a collector, you start seeing the same guys at the same like places that you frequent, buying yep. games and stuff. And then you join the forums. Like I'm I'm a member of like the Oklahoma, the Texas, the Arkansas, uh, Kansas City retro game societies. And uh, you know you get to know these guys. There's a few hundred in each uh, state that are just super collectors. Uh, 
more so than even me, that have these collections that are just jaw-dropping. You know, they have, you know, the tens of thousands of games as opposed to, like, I have, like, 3,000 or something like that. Um, and, yeah, it's just it's crazy to me. Like, you would think it's not a big deal, but it really is. There are, there are you are right, more people that are like, oh, I want all the Zeldas or I want all the Final Fantasies or, you know, I'm only interested in uh, fighting games or RPGs or games with bunnies in it or whatever the fuck. But uh, there are a lot of guys like me that are really just after every game that they ever want to play or there are some guys that just want every fucking game. Uh, those guys are kind of crazy to me, but, you know, it's yeah, I've only uh, got a, a few left that I because I, like I said, I still have my, I have a good I have a good two crates full of where I bought out that uh that rental store. So I got most everything. The only thing I, I think I, there are a couple NES titles I'm after and like uh, a couple Genesis titles I'm after that aren't really yeah. rare stuff. So I'm sure I'll find them in no time. And that's only well, because you know I recently opened all that shit back up instead of it just sitting in a crate in the corner. Right. And for me, I don't know if the bug quite has you the same way it has me. Like every time I think, okay, well, this is this is all I need. Because initially it was like, you know, I was collecting games I wanted to play. And then I sold a lot of that to play Magic the Gathering, you know. And sure. uh, I kept I kept my Sega CD and the games I had with it. I had Snatcher and uh, Lunar and some other good games for it. And I thought back then I used to think, you know, if I got Popful Mail and Lunar 2, uh, I don't need anything else for the Sega CD. Everything else is kind of not that great. And then, you know, I'd see something that was kind of like, that eh, piques my interest. Maybe I'll try it out. And it would end up being kind of good. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll get a couple more and a couple more. And then it got to where I was like, well, I've got 40 games out of the 140 or whatever. Maybe I can get them all, you know. And that's kind of where I'm at now with that. Same with Nintendo. Initially, I was like, oh, I'll just get all the RPGs, the Shadow Gates, the Day Jobbers, that kind of stuff that uh, I'll actually play, you know, once every couple of years or whatever. And then, you know, I'd find a deal like, oh, well, you know, I remember Darkwing Duck or whatever and yeah i'll pick this up and now i'm you know like three-fourths of the way to having a complete collection for the nes too um it's just you know i'm very very hard to not do that with uh other other systems as well like i'm I'm sticking to my guns when it comes to like the dreamcast or the gamecube and stuff like that i'm only buying games that i think i might actually play for those systems and that's why like my dreamcast collection is you know, 25 games or something. My GameCube's at like 30 or 35, something like that. Um, whereas it could be a lot higher, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, the These problem... Set goals for each other. The problem for me, as far as... And I understand uh, Baby Steps is, is actually how a lot of collections are, are built. Um, a yeah. good example of that is my godfather has a huge collection of uh, Ghost Rider memorabilia. And this is like pre like them trying to make movies and put him on TV. Like this is uh-huh. like, you know, he started collecting, you know, he, like he always really enjoyed it as a kid. So he only had the few stuff left over when he was a kid, and, but he wanted to, to read and experience all of it. And so like, he has this massive ghostwriter collection, like, you know, model kits that came out in like the, the nineties and just all this crazy shit that I never even would have imagined existed yeah. pre the, the, modern comic books are cool kind of kind of you know thing going on now and mm-hmm. that was that was just you know one or two there one or two there and it, it, it he never really set out to collect it as a collective but he'd see it be interested in it and buy it um 
So, and I can see where that goes. But for me personally, the problem I have with collecting uh, specifically video games, for some reason, for me, it is one of the highest buyer's remorse items that I, I ever experience when I purchase a thing. And uh, it's right up, well, any sort, any piece of media or entertainment, if I purchase it, I have the hugest buyer's remorse immediately after. It doesn't matter if it's a video game, a movie, a CD, uh, any sort of consumable media, uh, even a book. Like, it just, I don't know if that's, it's reflective upon my upbringing or what have you. Like, it just, like, immediately sets in, like, oh, you know, if even if it's, like, 20 bucks, let's say I, I caught a deal on something and bought it for 20 bucks, um, even if it's, you know, worth 50, I paid 20, and I'm still, like, man, I could have, you know, how much food is 20 bucks, like, what else could I have paid off with 20 bucks, and it's, like, a, it's, like, a third, it, sometimes it's, like, an hour argument with my inner demons to buy the stupid thing that I'm looking at and that I want. So um, that's my own major setback, but that's not everybody's. So, no, I mean, I get, I get that mentality. um, Certainly, concerning consumable media and stuff, because you can literally get, you know, every game in my collection. You can download it for free. You know, I mean, it's technically illegal or whatever, but it's like, you know, it's so readily available. Um, Well, I'm on the side of the fence of it that it, it does feel better to have it and to play it like legitimately there is something well, there's the disconnect that is involved with emulation or right. even pirating of, of, of movies sometimes like, you know, there's a disconnect happening there. Exactly. Um, yeah. For me, so. for me, definitely. Like I, like I'm looking at all, all these game books I have, I've got, you know, maybe two or 300 different game books and magazines and such. And yeah, I could look up that information online for free, you know, on my phone anytime, you know, but there's something about having that physical, you know, feel in my hands knowing that that particular book was the same book that I used 20 years ago or that someone did or whatever, you know, whatever, you know, and, uh, there's a nostalgia to it and it just helps to bring me back or whatever. It's, it's kind of hard to explain. It's the same for like record collecting. Uh, you know, you got a guy that's going to pay, uh, like 500 bucks for a Beatles album. That's rare, you know, maybe like a today and yesterday with like the meat hanging in the window or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's the same album as the re-release that didn't have the meat hanging everywhere, and you're you're paying you know exponentially more for it. But it's just it's something that not everyone has. It yeah, it sounds the same. Well, the, yeah, the there's there's an exclusivity to it, and I understand yeah. it. Like you don't have to argue that point with me. And I and I, there are times I wish I could be more like that because they, I mean, so to me it comes down to very specific things that I want, and mm-hmm. it's it's really hard because I really have to like work myself up to spend that money on it, and yeah. maybe that'll change. Maybe as I get older and uh, have more to throw around, maybe it'll it'll change, right? Well, m- maybe I don't know. Like honestly, my game collecting since I've become quote unquote older. Um, making more money and so on and so forth has really slowed down. Um, the, the, the majority of my collection came from those early years where I was finding really good deals for cheap. I would buy things in bulk. There's a lot of deals I wish I had bought, you know, so on and so forth. Um, these days, like, I'd say about four years ago, I was buying four to ten games a week. Um, and it was like that through most of my 20s. Uh, these days I'm lucky if I get four to 10 a month. Um, most months I do not like I'm thinking of 
this past month I've bought two, I think, games. I picked up a box complete Mario Superstar Saga, uh, which you just never see like Game Boy Advance games complete in the wild. It was in really good shape, and I didn't have the title, and I was like, okay, it was eighteen bucks, fine. And then uh, Dino Crisis Two. For uh, the PlayStation, I didn't have a copy. They only wanted $9 instead of like 20 It was complete. So I picked it up. And those are the quote-unquote deals you find these days. You know, you're not going to find your, you know, like, what was it, five years ago, I bought a Tron Bond uh, for 7 bucks. Or, again, about five years ago, I picked up my Metal Warriors for about $5. I used to find one or two deals like that a year. And before that, I'd find even more. Um, you just don't see them anymore at all And now. I mean, everyone's everyone's in the know so yeah i i mean i i spent uh i've spent all of five dollars on games in the past month and i got a uh three games i got uh town and country surf design uh nba jam <laughs> for the genesis and uh caesar's palace so well, at least you got nba jam yeah so i well i mean the other the other two were just games that i had as kid and i just wanted to have them because i i found out at a local electronic shop like carries a bunch of old games that I just kind of went in there to see what they had. And they actually had some fairly good prices on um, some stuff. Like they had a copy of, of Lufia 2 for like 70 bucks. And then um, Super Mario mm-hmm. RPG was only $58. So, no, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's uh, uh, 10 to 20% less than average retail I see on those. So, I mean, that's not, it's, what's that? I said it blows my mind because just a few years ago that was a twenty-five, thirty-dollar title, but you know. Yeah, it's like the, one of my favorite titles for the Genesis of all time is the first Toe Jam and Earl game. Oh sure, sure. And that one, if if I had bought it last year, this time last year, it would have been fifteen bucks, right? Mm-hmm. I can't find it for less than like forty or fifty bucks. I haven't gotten it yeah, yet. It's, yeah, it's like the uh, second one's supposed to be the rare one that's expensive. Uh, panic at Funkatron or whatever. Yeah, but I like the first one. It's stupid and trivial as the it is. The first one is much better, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Genesis uh, uh, really saw uh, a big jump within the last four or five years. They, they for years and years, it was like Super Nintendo was huge and still is. But Genesis was kind of like its awkward cousin that no one was collecting for. Um, it had like maybe a half dozen titles that was that were over the $60 mark. I remember... Like at one point, the only the only games that were worth more than fifty bucks were Warsong, mm-hmm. um, Herzog was why I think was up there or close enough. Uh, the Punisher um, and uh, Crusader of Sinti, and now there are dozens and dozens of sixty dollar games, and all those games that I mentioned are worth a ton of money. Like my I'm copy sure. of Crusader of Sinti, I bought it for sixty bucks maybe I don't know seven years ago or something like that. And it's, uh, I think, a $200 game now. So uh, not one that I would uh, recommend. You know, it's a great game, but uh, I wouldn't recommend spending $200 to play it. You know, that's definitely one that I would say, hey, download this. It's a Zelda clone. It's very good. Um, yeah, it's weird. I don't know what's going on. It, it's it's funny. You never know what people are all going to move to next. A game, the GameCube is another example. Dreamcast. Yeah. It was like everyone just thought, oh, this is the shit system, and no one was collecting for it. Well, I would, you know, back in the day, like I was picking up the titles that I wanted to play for those systems for the most part. Um, and so I bought all these games and now they're worth a ton of money. And I'm like, OK, well, maybe everyone should have been, you know, like especially with GameCube. because I picked up like Fire Emblem and 
uh, Skies of Arcadia and stuff. Oh, yeah, just Skies a few of Arcadia. I have, for nothing. I, yeah, I, that's why I'm glad I never got rid of any of my GameCube games. Like, I, mm-hmm. I just I just hung on to those. It wasn't like my, my giant... Because um, I had, like, back in the day, I had... You remember those? They were like... Uh, like nylon and there were like these nylon and mesh carrying cases that they made for NES carts. Yeah. I've got a few of them. I had two of them full of NES games and then it was essentially like a repurposed with a little spacer and it was like, uh, have you ever seen like the, it was simply the same thing with Mish Zepper like shoulder pack that you would put like tape cassettes in. Oh, yeah, yeah. That I had all my SNES carts in that my dad gave me to put all my SNES carts in because I had cases for all my Genesis games. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I let I don't remember what I what I even sold them for. Like I might have just given them away because I wasn't playing them anymore. I held on to the Genesis stuff because I, you know, I, in an afternoon I would love to sit, I'd sit down and play Genesis. No problem. I just wasn't playing anything on the Super Nintendo or the NES. So. I think I let the because the, the NES stuff I had inherited from my cousin, so I let him re-inherit them. I think, and the NES stuff I might have sold in uh, to buy a Game Boy Advance and a few games. Oh, yeah. So I mean, that's kind of you know where all my uh, stuff went. That's the common story that everyone tells in every collecting genre. You know, when you talk to a baseball card collector, they're oh, I used to have the, you know. Uh, Mark McGuire rookie or whatever, and you're like, oh, that's great. You know, when you talk to a Magic player, they said, you know, I used to have a Black Lotus. Oh, I never had a fucking Black know. Lotus, but I did watch a guy rip up a Black Lotus. Like I saw that yeah, in person. That video. And oh, there's a video of it too. Well, I didn't know there's a video. I was I was in the I was at the it might have been a PTQ. I don't know where he got his hands on one. I don't remember where I was at. Uh, I was in Richmond. Fake too. You never know. It could have been, but he fucking ripped it up. I about had a heart attack, but that's when I cared. Like I honestly couldn't give a rat's ass anymore about yeah. magic. I let that go like a like a like a like a bad habit, like smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. I was just cold turkey on that shit. I was gone. Well, there's a there's a whole video series where they do that shit. I don't know if it's still around, but like they would wait in line for like say I remember the PS3 one, and they're just like waiting in line. They're at the front of the line. They get their PS3. And then they walk back to the line, they take it out, and they just smash it with a hammer in front of everyone else waiting in line. I would murder that person. Make a video of it. I would murder that person. Yeah, and people get so pissed. And he's like, what? I paid my money. I can do what I want. I mean, he's right. You know, he's right. Shut up. But it's still shitty. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, that's that's kind of. I appreciate you sitting down and uh, talking with me tonight. Uh, sure. Where can so if people want to, you know, hear that game collecting one hundred and one or hear more stuff from you, where can they find you? Where can they they uh, yell yeah, at I you mean, or tell you you're wrong on everything you've told me tonight? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm everywhere, guys. Just look up like Retro Kel. That's K H E L. I've got a Twitter. I'm part of the uh, the RPG, the Retro RPG show, right? That's what it's called, Retro RPG Podcast. Uh, which Derek and Dong used to host. Uh, they haven't been around in a while. I do the Is It Worth It segments on there once a month. I also do a show for your network, uh, Brent, called Video Games the Movie. We've got a new one coming to you. I, I should get it to you in the next few days first, uh, about the movie Man vs. Snake, um, which was a great film. Yeah, you, you can find me everywhere, guys. Like, if you type in uh, Retro Kel or Is It Worth It podcast, you'll, you'll find me. I'm, I'm readily available. 
Yeah, and they talk about way more interesting stuff than we do. So be sure to check yeah. out them. They, they they they're they're good guys. We appreciate uh, we try everything they they do and hang around with us. Uh, I think that's all I got for you tonight. So uh, again, okay. I appreciate you appreciate you hanging out. It's always fun, man. It really is. You know, I don't often. Um, I try and steer clear of two topics on this podcast, and that is. Uh, politics and religion because they're very touchy subjects for a lot of people and uh, there's a reason for that so I you know I have a point I want to make here and I want to see if I can make it without uh, stepping on any toes all right because that's all every it's all I can hear about I'm, I'm you know pulling up to the 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 gas station I'm pumping gas and that's just every everyone's just fucking chatting about uh, president-elect Donald Trump now president Donald Trump and uh, like him or hate him that's your prerogative um, I hope you voted one way or the other uh, and that's that's really your business and I don't want to know um, but what I my point I want to make is sort of you and this is the part of in this scene it seems really blown up um, this particular election because of the circumstances of around the election um, the people in the election uh, and just our always connected 24 hours a day news cycle really that uh, is it just puts it in our faces so much more now there's you know it's not the first time there's been controversy in the election of a president uh, you know um, so my point I want to make is I really want everyone just to calm the F down both sides of the, the fence because um, there honestly there are a lot of people that are that are acting douchebags on both sides and uh, what's done is done people um, if you lost you lost Instead of coming into, you're not going to sit down um, and hope a meal shit, even though it's not something that you would regularly eat. Um, so, I mean, unfortunately, with this point, you have to give him a chance to fuck up, right? If he's going to fuck up, I mean, it could work out great um, in some aspects or in all aspects. Who the fuck knows? Like, I, again, I'm not trying to light any opinion on this. And the uh, same goes for the other side of the fence. Uh, if you won, we get it. You won. Sit down. Like, uh, you know, stop. You know, you can get down off your soapbox now. And I also think that uh, the reason so many people are still in their soapbox about Trump winning is because the other side uh, of the aisle doesn't want to let it go. You know, so we've got this this women's march on Washington for women's rights. And, and you know, while I commit, yes, free speech, I commend you, peacefully protest your concerns. Um, talk about your, what what is, what is uh, bothering you. But don't be upset when it doesn't do anything. The fact that one side of the aisle is getting all bent out of shape because they lost or they think it's the end of the world or the system's broken or whatever you think the issue is uh, I think everyone just needs to to calm the F down like everyone's fired up and it's not doing anything but pressing the other side's buttons and making everyone get fired up right 
Because if I tell you that I think you're wrong and you stink, then you're going to come up with reason to tell me that I'm wrong and that I stink, and then I'm going to be mad and I'm going to hate you even more. Instead of us getting along and focusing on the particular issues at hand, we want to just generalize and hate. And I'm not the one that often sits around with this lovey-dovey, you know, everyone should just get along type of attitude. That's not me, personally. But uh, in this case, I really think we need to stop focusing on what has happened and start focusing on what's next. Um, What happens when I get up this morning? What happens when I go work tomorrow? You know, the the spirit of survival of living is to, you know, get up. You can't just, you get knocked down, you're not supposed to just fucking lay there. And and by getting up, I don't necessarily mean shouting to the world that you hated getting knocked down and no one will never knock you down again because that's a lie. People are going to always knock you down. You're always going to get kicked on your ass. It doesn't matter if you are the just, you're the righteous, or you have a certain belief system that thinks you're better than the other, you're part of a minority, a majority. doesn't matter. Individual people are always going to get knocked down. Uh, and I believe that to be true across many spectrums of life. And yes, some people are going to get knocked down more than others. And should we work towards everyone getting knocked down the same? Probably. But I don't think that is a... I think that is a systemic, cultural um, norm that now will, will not be changed by your election choice of president. You know, uh, everybody's like, uh, Obama, the first black president. Did that stop racism? No. <laughs> like, it certainly didn't. So, uh, is putting someone who is potentially, and I don't know, I don't know enough facts to garner a educated response. All I'm responding to is the general attitude that I confront on a daily basis. Because I'm out in the world every day. I'm not in an office in a cubicle dealing with the same people. I already know how fucking Betty feels or uh, fucking Marge in accounting feels. Like, I, I don't have that, okay? I am in the world. I am in places of business and of congregations. I am in restaurants. I am in bars. I am in convenience stores. I am in grocery stores. I am on the streets, and I am constantly listening to what people are talking about, mostly because I'm nosy. So that's what I'm responding to is is this general consistent consensus that I'm picking up that everyone just wants to blame someone else for being wrong across the board instead of listening to why they feel that way or identifying the the problem itself. There's there's this we live in a world of too many solutions and uh, not enough understanding problems. And uh, it's really disheartening.
first I'd like to thank uh, Blaine and Bjorn for uh, sitting down and talking with me over the past week or so. It was great talking to those guys. I had a whole nother segment planned, and scheduling kind of fell through on that. And uh, I really wish I could have done it maybe the next time I get around to try and do a show like this one. Um, I'll be able to, to nail that down a little better, but uh, hopefully you guys liked this, and by all means, certainly send me the um, your opinions on it, email or Twitter or Discord or what have you. Um, I did want to take a minute, because um, I know there are people listening to this show that aren't on the Discord. Um, I can see that. And I want to kind of explain what it is, because I don't think we ever really talked about exactly what it is. Discord is a uh, voice and text chat service, so think, you know, uh, anything that people use for team-based online gaming that's not sort of it built into the game, uh, where there's text channels and there's voice channels, and uh, it's essentially you can go to the website, we have a link set up, and it's going to take you to the Discord's to Discord itself, like it, it is the company's website, and ask you to create an account. Um, and then once you have an account created, if you click on the link again, it should take you directly to that server and should pair your account with having access to that server. Okay, and in there you will see a, like a general chat channel, and then we have another chat channel set up for FF15 spoilers because I kind of wanted to keep those out of the main chat for a while. Um, and it's just a constant flow of, of it's kind of like a chat room almost um, and there are apps for your phone that allow you to do that from your phone uh, you can there's a desktop app or you can do it in browser on your computer like if you don't want to download anything like you're you know conscious about uh, viruses or whatever and you don't like to download things then there you can do it all in browser too if you want to um, just click on that link uh, just bookmark it uh, speaking of bookmarks, I'd like to thank everyone that's continuing to use the uh, Amazon affiliate link over at the website. Uh, it, it's starting to add up a little bit, and I appreciate that greatly. Um, and to those that are giving donations through PayPal, those are also um, appreciated. Links to all that can be found over at the website. And, uh, you know, I, it's kind of where I want to leave it for now. Um, to kind of it's it, mostly it's just to cover sort of the the burden of the the server costs and you know uh, the initial setup was on me and the initial server cost is all on me and uh, you know I I do, do want to upgrade equipment at some point specifically um, hopefully on Nick's end I don't know how how thrilled he'd be about actually having to have a setup instead of a pair of you know a headset he hooks into the computer or does wirelessly now so. But to everyone that's doing that, it's it, it's I'm very grateful for every last bit in that. Um, for all the remixes thrown in today's show, uh, you can visit the show notes. There are credits for each of those within the show notes, as well as links to the sites to get the full versions of those songs. Um, and that's something I'm just going to keep up with. I I, I think I kind of like how the putting the music in there, how that really works out. And if you guys don't like it, let me know. Um, and then also, I guess I'm not closing out on the fucking ska music this time because I'm I'm just rambling through it instead of doing an actual close. So I'll um 
I don't know. I'll figure it out in post. Uh, we're really starting to fall behind on the iTunes reviews. So if you're if you're listening to this and you have not left a, a review on iTunes, please go do so. Um, each one counts, and I mean really, really counts, because uh, the way people can find our show right now, because I, I, I want to put it up on other outlets, but that takes time for me to find it, submit it, go through authorization processes. So right now, where we are is the most convenient places for people to find us. We can be found on iTunes, on um, Podbean, uh, on, I think we're even on like the BlackBerry one. We're also on the Google Play podcast uh, section um, through Google Music. So, um, but, you know, when someone searches the term RPG, we want to be higher up that as high up that list as we can to get a you know more people listening to the show and listen to us rant and ramble on about bullshit. And the reviews really help us do that because if we're not getting actively reviewed, then uh, iTunes considers us in less less desirable as people that are constantly getting reviews and being talked about. So um, the more we have the higher we kind of rate in that search um, thing. Uh, the last thing that I'd like to talk about before closing the show out here is uh, Super BitCon, Oklahoma City, uh, April 29th and 30th, I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm sealing up the final details and all that. If you are in the Oklahoma City area or within driving distance to the Oklahoma City area, we'd love to see you at Super BitCon. Um, I'm going to be there. Nick's going to be there whether I have to chain him up and drag him. Blaine's going to be there. and uh, you know, So it's going to be a real fun time. It's going to be a real um, awesome kind of party. Uh, so please, 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 if you're going to, if you can go, like if you can go, head on out and if you can't we will be in the memphis area uh thursday night and friday morning sometime if you're around that area um and would be available around that time you want to kind of catch breakfast or just kind of do a little you know just meet up with us talk to us for a little while uh, we got some time to kill um friday morning so you know shoot us up email you know we can work something out I'd like to see everybody as many people as possible that is uh, so as far as contacts with the show, you can follow us on Twitter at the RPG Podcast. Uh, you can uh, send us an email to podcast at the RPG Show.com. And finally, our website of website, website, what the fuck is that? Website is the RPG Show.com. Um, not RPG Show, because that's, that's real pretty girls show whatever about fucking wigs and whatever but go to rp the rpg show.com there you can find each of the shows their show notes for them other shows such as video games the movie and some of the other ones i've kind of let slide um but for now also all the links to help the show are there as well um as well as links to our youtube and twitch channels which we don't do anything with right now but i have plans for again it's all about freeing up time to make those things happen because I'd really like to divest more time in, invest not divest invest more time 
in the show um, the source you know branch down make it better do the whole thing so I guess um, that's it for this time goodbye everybody <laughs> <laughs>